1: You're listening to Pop Culture Weekly with Kyle McMahon, presented by 92.9 Tom FM, an iHeart Radio station. Na, na, na. Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Weekly. It's episode 23. Woo! I can't believe it. Where every week is just this time is going by way too quickly for me. In any event. I'm Kyle McMahon, as you may or may not know. Hopefully you know by now. It's episode 23. If not, hi. If you don't know me, I'm Kyle. <laughs> so anyway, Pop Culture Weekly is proudly brought to you by 929 Tom FM and iHeartRadio. Could not do it, could not do this without them. In any event, I have an all- interview special episode today it's a little different than obviously than our normal show with our different segments and our guest hosts and all that I have so many interviews that I want to share this week that there's no time for anything else I talked to Tom Cronin who has a film called The Portal that's coming out and I got to see a preview screen of it it is unbelievably life-changingly amazing it is it asked the question what would happen if seven billion people, all well, the people in the world, started meditating, and let me tell you, the results are crazy. It it is an extremely thought-provoking, powerful documentary, and you must see it. So I talk with him, and he also has a book called The Portal that's also coming out. That is, you know, an accompaniment, an accompanying an accompaniment. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. It goes along with the film. It's awesome. I'm telling you guys, wow, this is powerful stuff, and I have a great conversation with him. So that's coming up. I also talked to Christopher Jackson, who you may know from Hamilton, you may know from the Billboard charts, or you may know him from Bull on TV, and he also was in a Netflix film film, Directed by Ava DuVernay, who, and she's incredible, and that's called When They See Us, and it has to do with the Central Park Five. It is powerful, required watching. You guys have got to see this movie. It is really, really powerful. Also, you know, I happen to be in a movie with Ava DuVernay that she directed called Selma. It's just a little tiny part, but I was in a movie. I, I, it's crazy. Only movie I've ever been in, but uh, and I loved it. She is amazing. She is a genius. She treats everybody with complete and total respect. She treated me like a star, and I was, you know, in reality, uh, a tiny, tiny, tiny ant in this whole thing. So she she's just incredible. You have to see this movie. So I talked to Christopher Jackson backstage at PBS's National Memorial Day concert which, you know, I, I cover, and I got to talk to him about that, and I also talked to him about when they see us and his career, so this is another interview you don't want to miss. I also talked to Ashley Keating, who is enjoying her first taste of Billboard success with her new dance hit. So I've got that interview for you, too. So it's an all-interview episode. Yay! Uh, no Benny, no Krista, no Courtney, no Kat, no, no, no of, uh, you know, the usual suspects. It's all me and all interviews. What, what else could you ask for except for those people? Uh, but anyway, let's start with Tom Cronin and my discussion with him on The Portal. So... First of all, Tom Cronin, thank you so much for talking to me. I really do appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you.
3: Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me along.
1: Of course. So uh, a little bit about your background before we get into the portal, which I'm really excited to talk to you about. What, what, what is your background? Where did you come from before you went on to do the portal?
3: I think the best way to describe it is to invite the audience, uh, if they've ever seen or read about Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, they'll get a little bit of a glimpse into what my life was like. Uh, Not as severe and as extreme as that, but certainly it came from that sort of background. I started my career in the same year as him, 1987. I was a young kid, just straight out of school, backpacked around the world, blew most of my money traveling and decided to just apply for a bunch of jobs and landed this one on a big trading room floor in the Late '80s, which was when the markets were going crazy, and before long, I was swept into the world of finance and fast trading markets and lots of money. And you know, it was really interesting. Prior to that, just a very little glimpse. I was backpacking around the world, reading books by Jean-Paul Sartre and listening to Susie the Banshees and the Smiths, and really looking to you know write articles about existentialism and and capitalistic greed and how I wanted to save the world from the plight that was going on and before long I was part of the thing that I was wanting to save the world from and you know I got swept into along along into that world for quite a long time um, and that led to you know a lot of uh, drugs and alcohol and being a bit of a uh, quite a playboy and really just going off the rails and the universe gave me a lot of messages that I wasn't doing the right thing I started getting a lot of insomnia and anxiety and panic attacks and eventually depression and then uh, I eventually had a full blown nervous breakdown at the age of 29 i just basically had to leave my job i became incapacitated i had agoraphobia couldn't leave my house was seeing psychiatrists put on pharmaceutical drugs so you know this whole trajectory of the path i was on was leading me to a sort of a train wreck of an experience right and that's when i found meditation and eastern philosophy and it was like a massive turning point you know it was phenomenal how much i discovered that what i was looking for in a sex drugs alcohol The party scene was actually what I was looking for ultimately inside myself, but I didn't know how to get there. And meditation was kind of like the portal that allowed me to find that way home to the thing that I was ultimately looking for, which is my inner world. Right. And uh, of course, I didn't become perfect. I still, you know, Hmm. it's not like all of a sudden, instantaneously overnight, you become an enlightened monk. It's it's still a process of transformation and evolution, but it definitely was a turning point in my life that took me on a different path.
1: Wow. And and then... What yeah. <laughs> then led you to creating or, or even the idea for the portal?
3: Well, what I tend to find, particularly with my clients is that, um, that I coach, is that we, we have this trajectory on our path, which is we go from seeker, I'm in a dark space that I'm looking for the light. You know, we're, we're, what we do when we walk into a dark room is we clam around for that light switch. Mm-hmm. It's always the first thing we do when we're in darkness is look for the light. And I was in darkness looking for light, so I was a seeker. But what happens as we seek is eventually as you clamor around long enough, you'll eventually find the light switch and turn it on. So eventually I found light within myself, not in the outer world, it was in myself. And as we go from seeker, we eventually become a finder. And then the natural progression after you find that light is like, wow, I've got so much of this, it's like I, I, I'm I, overflowing, like wisdom, knowledge, love, light, I, I, I kinda gotta, you, it, by default, you start sharing it in places that aren't relevant, like with your colleagues and with your family and with your friends and like, yeah, 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 I heard it all before, Tom, just <laughs> stop talking about stuff, to finding more appropriate avenues to start to share it with and creating what I call vehicles or vessels to deliver that knowledge or wisdom or love or light, whatever you're sharing with the world through. You know, you're sharing it through a podcast. So you created that vessel yourself. We can't wait for other people to create the vessel. We have to create it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully people will come and that's the conduit or another portal that people can access you through. So um, I started teaching meditation part-time while I was a broker of all things. I'd finish trading on the floor at five and go down to a studio I was subleasing in the city and start teaching meditation at 5.36 o'clock. Then eventually it just became this overwhelming compulsion. I could see this incredible change. It was happening not just in my life but in other people's lives. So I started to create online programs and teach workshops and run retreats. And I thought, wow, like one of the best and biggest mediums for sharing the power of this technique. I was like, why is the world not doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, it's so powerful. Like we know enlightenment exists and it's so phenomenal, you know, even just a glimpse into that world. um, We need to let the world know that this is available to them. And so I decided seven years ago, Let's make a feature documentary about meditation and how powerful it is in changing people's lives and I never expected it to take me down the path that it's taken me on, but it's um it's quite a wild ride, but we're getting there. we're about to bring it out to the world
1: yes i'm I'm very excited. I did see the film. I absolutely love it oh and, man thanks and I love that you asked the question: what would happen if seven billion people meditated? why did that come to you because it's changed your life so much?
3: Yeah, you know, it it was phenomenal. I I just know that um, all of my uh, dilemmas that I was experiencing were a state of mind, Mm. and it it really is the, the, the starting point for life's problems, and we can't really solve the problem with the same level of thinking they created, as Einstein said. So we, we really need to s- change the way we think. And we, to change the way we think, we need to get out of the program. There's a program that our mind operates on. It's like a software that's constantly needing updating, but most of us don't update it. And I was in a state and meditation helps you update that software because you transcend the program and access a field of intelligence that's enabling you to actually observe the thinking process. So I knew that if we wanted to change the world, we really needed to change the way we thought. And most of us have been living by a paradigm that's been programmed into us by generations and generations. And what I see is this kind of recurring loop. And under the laws of evolution, if we stay static, we're going to invite a destructive operator, Shiva, which is a, a force that's going to enact change if we resist change. And that's why we have turbulence just because of the process of resisting evolution, resisting change. And that's what I was doing. And that's why I have turbulence. So when we become much more creative and adaptable and evolutionary in the way we think and behave, then we avoid a lot of that conflict and friction that happens in our lives. So meditation really had to be me, like the tool that I, I was I was trained in and the tool that I've used as my device for evolution and and growth you know there's a lot of other tools i do yoga i go to the gym and i eat healthy but um that was the main one that helped me get out of the programming software and um so i really felt inspired that if i could do that and it, that to me and it does that for other people then what would it happen what would happen on the planet if we got a lot more people meditating would we still have the levels of conflict and um, and, and turmoil that we we have happening in our in our world. So that was really the inspiration for me to um, to do everything I could to inspire people to meditate, and I thought a film was a great way to do that.
1: Absolutely. Do you think we're finally at a point as as a people, as a culture, that we're willing to listen to something like this?
3: I think um, we're on an incredibly exciting point in our history as a human species, we're getting to a fork in the road. And that fork in the road is uh, what we call in Sanskrit a rashi. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a point of choicelessness where you either break through or break down. It's like, hey okay, guys, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been in this uh, acquisition and experience mode of fulfillment for a long, long time, it's the cause of most of your problems. If I get more oil, if I get more money, if I get more sex, if I get more drugs, if I get more houses, if I get you know, rid of your that person's religion, um, if I get rid of those outer world things or get those outer world things, then my life internally is gonna be better. Um, that model uh, is not sustainable, and it's actually the antithesis of what an enlightened experience would be. And enlightenment has been around for a long, long time, like five, 10,000 years. So, It's time we embrace what's available to us, and we start to break through to a new status quo. And it's really exciting because the world is um, kind of polarized at the moment, but that's part of the the journey that we're at. Is like there's there's a transitional point happening. That's where I was. I was polarized, right? Um, And uh, you know, it's it's sometimes we just have to exhaust our research into where fulfillment doesn't exist. Mm. before we find where fulfillment does exist. It's like, you know what? I've looked everywhere. I looked in the shopping malls. I looked in my bank account. I looked in Tinder. And you know what? I just can't find it. Right. (laughs) And so um, that's where the world's getting to. You know, we've, we've accumulated and experienced so much, yet we have such incredible levels of anxiety and depression and discontent and disease. And that's really just evolution, this beautiful guiding parental force that's saying, hey, look, I'm trying to support you. Uh, there is a path for you. You just don't seem to be getting it. So I just need to turn up that volume of discomfort so that you might eventually change the direction that you're going in. Mm.
1: And from your film, you also have a,
3: an accompanying book.
1: How did mm. that develop?
3: Well, I was, again, through meditation, you know, I was, uh, the, the film was a series of beautiful stories, six powerful stories that have all gone through crisis and come through crisis, through the portal, using meditation and out the other side where they were free of that crisis. And, um, and there was three amazing futurists and philosophers in that film as well that kind of support a sort of global macro perspective that ties those stories together. It's kind of like the glue. And... Um, I was in meditation and it dawned on me that there's such powerful content in those interviews, you know, literally hours and hours of interviews that had such profound wisdom and stories, you know, beautiful, rich stories. And everyone loves a good story of, of, of transformation. You know, it's the most films are built on the idea of crisis and transformation and the victor. And so, we decided that we would compile those stories and the wisdom into a book. And, and it's just been a really amazing work of art. I've actually got a copy here. So I'm really um, excited to bring it out to the world. It's, it's really the film is, you know, only so many words in a film because, you know, you've got a lot of imagery and music and it's only 90 minutes, whereas the book goes much deeper and the stories are much richer. So it really allows the audience to go much further into the beauty of it all.
1: I love that. So the portal is coming out. What's next after that? What is your next step?
3: Film is being released in September in the U.S., uh, I'd, I'd imagine, and uh, looks like October in Australia. So then the film and the book will be out. We've got master classes. We're looking at apps. We want to do school programs. We really want to go a long way down that journey using these devices the film and the book as inspiration for the world to start to learn to meditate my main thing that I love to do and what I want to get back to after this project is get back to running retreats taking people through powerful transformational experiences coaching uh, running weekend workshops and doing a lot of speaking uh, these are the sort of the spaces that um, I feel most effective and most qualified in so um, once the filmmaking process is, is complete then I'll return back to a lot of that
1: that's awesome. Tom Cronin, thank you so
3: much. And where can they find you? Yeah, there's a couple ways to find us. They can go to entertheportal.com for the film and book, and uh, they can go to stillnessproject.com, which is uh, my original foundation that I created to bring meditation out to the world. And they can just go to tomcronin.com or tomcronin at Instagram and uh, get me there.
1: Awesome. Tom, thank you so much for talking with me. And please come back. I'd love to speak with you again.
3: Love to be great. Thanks for coming. Great
1: question too. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Tom. So that was my conversation with Tom Cronin. Isn't he amazing? You guys have got to see this movie and and get the book, The Portal. It goes more in-depth on the themes and, and stories told in the movie. You are gonna love it. It really is a game changer. It's a life changer. So up next, I have Hamilton star, Christopher Jackson. Woo! So, Christopher, well, I'm going to let the interview speak for itself. You're going to love this one. I uh, love your entire body of work, and i got to ask you, though, there's not many people that can say that they performed on a track with the President Barack Obama. Wow, yeah, how, what was that like for you?
0: <laughs> it was crazy. It, it was uh, obviously a song that I'd sung you know, quite a few times. Right. Uh, so it was refreshing to you know, see it in a different way, in a different light. And then uh, when you, you add 44 into the mix, it, it guarantees to be a, uh, a, a neat experience. Yeah. And it was that.
1: And it was, I, I think I read it was the only uh, chart hit featuring a president ever in history. How about that?
0: I like being, I like being the, 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 the backup singer to that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So you are here once again for the PBS, the 30th anniversary of the national Memorial Day concert. What does that mean to you?
0: Anytime I've had the opportunity to stand on the stage, um, and just pay tribute to the men and women who, who do so much for us. Uh, it, it, it's kind of the easiest, uh, yes, that anyone will ever get from me. Um, we often, t- you know, I, uh, look. I, I sing and dance and act for a living, right? But there are jobs out there that are way more important than that. And and if what I do can be of service to those men and women who do that, well, then then I think it's it's there's no there's no higher calling for me. And there's no instance in which um, I feel that as as uh, as someone who can is just contributing something a little bit that's more meaningful than what I normally get to do. Right. You know.
1: And. So back for career-wise, um, you're doing a project, or you've just finished a project with Ava DuVernay, right? How
0: about it? When They See Us.
4: Yes,
1: cool? I'm, I'm really excited for that. and I had a tiny part in Selma, with, uh, with, which she directed, yeah. and she treated every single person. She is such an incredible woman, and I wanted to know what your take is on that, working with her, especially on a project like this, which is, in my opinion, a very important project.
0: Uh, Josh Jackson, who is also starring in the movie, um, he said it best uh, recently. He said, you know, she creates an environment of love and, and, and requires, has a very high expectation. Um, she, she sets the table for you to uh, enjoy where you are. And, and when everyone feels valued, they feel invested in a very personal and different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she expects that you would do your best. And that's exactly what that project was. It was, it's moving it is uh, uh, stark. It is hard to watch in certain at certain moments, but it's absolutely important uh, that that the story is being told at this time,
1: uh, at this moment in time where where we are. Yeah. And and I love that she is such a risk taker. She's not afraid to 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 do pieces like that, which is not only important for art but for culture. You know.
0: I think if you look look at things through a cultural lens, you can sometimes. Miss the significance of it quite literally. I, th- I think that it can be reductive sometimes to to see it just as, oh, this is a hot new thing that's happening. Right. This story is 30 years old. It it, it is a it, it is truly a dark moment in 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 our society as a whole. Um, we saw six victims. You know, uh, at an inflection point in their lives. They will none of them will ever be the same. The five young men and and uh, the young woman who was attacked in the park and her life was altered forever um i think that you know we, we we can get lost in the sensationalism of those things and for and and absolutely forget that there are real living and breathing people who are loving and living and suffering through these moments to be able to tell that story with uh, with an artist like ava it, it, it is the epitome of importance it's it's it is it is take, it is serious work and it's treated uh i think with the utmost care and i think that the, it'll reflect it when the audience is get a chance to see it
1: awesome I can't wait to see it and just one last question doing work like this because you know I just got to thinking now that you've done Hamilton which is very similar in the fact that it's it's not just entertainment you know it's it's art and it's more importantly it's, it's been a culture you know conversation starter for conversations that need to happen you know Hamilton was very much I mean think of all of the people that would have never gone and seen a Broadway play you know had it not been spun in the way that it was spun you were a hugely successful part of that and then the same thing with this are you choosing roles like that on purpose or, or is it you know just kind of the universe that it's kind of happened that way I wish to God that I could
0: say that I, you know, just sort of sit in my in my in my office at home and say, yeah, "I'm going to do this part, not this one." Do it doesn't work out that way. I, I think I'm a living te- uh, a witness to the fact that you put good out in the world, good comes back to you. Um, I believe that my path has been divinely ordered, and I have had the benefit of working with some of the most tremendous artists of of our generation. And um, I don't say no when they come a calling. You know, I'm I'm willing. My aim in this world, in my life, and in my career is to be useful. Is to be of use. Is to be of service. And um, you know, whether it be Lynn and Tommy Kail or or Ava, or or pick anyone that I've had a chance to work with. It's it's always refreshing to know that I'm doing things that have subs that are of substance, right? That that are that are meant to say something. That are meant to like start a conversation that are meant to reflect us i I think that that's the part to me that is is uh... is where i just sort of throw my hands up and say you know thank you god for for entrusting me with these moments Mm -hmm. and and i think it's also a testament to just knowing how to work with people you know more than more than the the product the finished product it's about being in the room for for the artists right it's about the hang it's about the the collaboration and the spontaneity and the trust that happens and the ability to just be as raw and as 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 available to the material as you possibly can be, and and I feel that way when I'm performing on this stage or or you know in front of the camera. Hopefully, behind the camera soon. Like my my aim is to just continue to tell stories, continue to like celebrate the humanity in in in, in all of us and, and and what we go through. I love
1: that man. That is so inspirational. Thank you so much for talking to me, man. Isn't Christopher Jackson incredible? Not only is he an incredible person, but he had just flown in the to D.C. from the night before from his daughter's uh, recital. I mean, like, what a an amazing guy. He, and he's like a multi-hyphenate incredible singer, incredible actor. You know, the guy is awesome. I love that man. So, and you've got to see the movie when they see us. It's Ava DuVernay. I mean, she's not afraid to start conversations that are uncomfortable for some people, but they need to be had. She's an incredible artist. So, go see on Netflix when they see us. You will not regret it. And then let me know what you think about it at PopCulturePodCA or my own Twitter at KMac Music. Alright. Next up, I interview with Ashley Keating. Ashley is an artist who she is a singer and actress and and songwriter. She like does pop dance. I mean, she's 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 got it all. And she just enjoyed her first taste of chart success on Billboard. Huge, big ups for that. That is quite an achievement. So we're gonna talk about that. And well, here, just enjoy the interview. All right, and now I have Ashley Keating. Ashley, how are you?
2: Hi. I'm great. I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. So tell me about how you got into music.
2: I mean, <laughs> music has always been in my blood, you know? Like I feel like I was that's my purpose in life, you know, is is, you know, using my gifts with, you know, inspiring through my lyrics and my music and um, it's always just, I mean, it's its in my blood. It's what I want to do for the rest of my life, you know, as well as many other things. But um, I started singing and <clears throat> probably annoying my family when I was three years old. <laughs> um, I, you know, I've had, a, I've had a very successful, you know, long career and I'm excited to see where everything goes now. But yeah, when I was three, I was on a showcase actually in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. It's called Al Albert's TV Showcase.
1: Oh, and I remember I that. I remember that when I was a kid, that show.
2: Yeah. So I was, that's how my whole career started. Like, I literally was on that show at three years old. Don't know how I did it. Just got up on TV, you know, said a joke and sang a song every single week. Yeah, that was really the start. And then I was on Broadway when I was five, turning six. I was in Sound of Music with Richard Chamberlain. So that's when I got, like, you know, the performing bug of, like, I love being on stage and I love, you know, doing acting and singing and just performing. And I was so young. And then I did the national tour of Sound of Music as well.
1: How was that for you at, you know, a a young age to be touring like that with uh, with the Sound of Music?
2: Oh, it was the best. I mean, (laughs) I that's why I was I mean, I was probably, you know, six years old, like someday I'm going to go on and. Another national tour, which will be like you know for my pop music, right? But I'm six years old, and I already knew exactly what I wanted in life. Like it's just it was in my blood, you know what I mean? I was born to do what I'm doing right now, born to perform, and I mean it was it was really cool. Like I just loved traveling. I loved the experience of you know being with the cast, being working with other people, and you know, I just love performing every single day. That's just, and getting on stage. I mean, and I won't ever forget it. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, I'll visit certain places, you know, if I'm doing something with music or whatever, and I'll be like, I was actually just recently in Chicago, and I'm like, wait, I think this was the theater I performed in.
4: <laughs> and
2: because we drove by, and I'm like, how old is, how do I even remember that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's little bits and pieces. I was, of course, I was super young, but I'll never, you know, forget that. And I'll never forget the theater, Martin Beck Theater in New York City that I I played Gretel and on Broadway.
1: Yeah, know? which is incredible. So
2: it's just, it's, I loved the experience of Broadway. I still love Broadway. I love going to see Broadway shows. Um, you never know. Someday, you know, maybe I'll do a little something again on Broadway. But, you know, my pop music is my thing right now. But I loved it. It was just such an incredible experience.
1: What led from that into you then, you know, songwriting and and recording a record?
2: Right. Yeah. So you know, I did I did like acting gigs. I did a bunch of that stuff too, which I love. And um, so the real start was when I was 10 years old in 2004. I was I auditioned for CBS Star Search, and I okay. went to like the open call, and um, I kept getting callbacks, and then. <laughs> You know, I I ended up getting on the TV show, which was absolutely crazy. Yeah. It was a crazy experience that I'll never forget this experience either. My first time in Los Angeles, um, they flew me out. You know, I had to compete to get on the show, and then I got on the show. I ended up winning winning and then losing by one point in the (laughs) final. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, that was the first real experience I had. I started, you know— in the recording studio doing like cover songs, you know, obviously for star search, we had to do some of that. And I feel like the minute I stepped in a recording studio, I was like, I knew I was like, I want to do this the rest of my life. Like there was something weird about being in the that atmosphere and being in the recording studio that I loved. And I picked things up so quickly. And um, that's kind of when it, when it all started when I was on star search and then, About two years later, no, wait, sorry, four years later, (laughs) about four years later is when I recorded my first like EP. And um, I had done another little competition and a producer discovered me and I, I started, you know, recording real, like original pop songs. And that's when I was on radio Disney and they really, they're the ones that really started my whole, career as a pop recording artist i was gonna say they grateful for that
1: they put a lot of support behind you and you were like with the 52 yeah um what's it the the 52 songs of the season or whatever like i mean they put a lot of
4: happiness
2: yeah with coca-cola yeah
1: coca-cola yeah did all that did that come from uh disney
2: so no actually this is what's crazy so um yeah, so I was part of the incubator program and that led for me opening up for a bunch of people, which was, I really started my career. But with the Coca-Cola campaign, it's really crazy. It was a competition. They picked 52 emerging artists from around the world. You know, I, I think most of them, I think, I don't think any of them were signed. Um, and including myself. And so I had some, you know, songwriter friends and a producer friend and I was like, hey, you know, we were like, you know, let's Get together, and we were all in town, and um, we 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 heard about it, and it was a competition. You had to write about a favorite place, you know, that you love to visit, and you know, hang out at, and do something. But it couldn't be anything that was like, you know, about. It had to be something different, right? So it was kind of hard to like put our minds together. It couldn't be like an amusement park or a beach or whatever. Yeah. And so I was with some co-writers, and I was like, well, why don't we write about, you know, my hometown? Like, why don't we write about, you know, New Jersey and the East Coast and, and, you know, Christmas and and snow and ice? Because I love skiing, and I love that, you know, I love the holidays. And um, it came together so well. We wrote a song called Ice Kingdom. And also, I had just recently visited the Queen Mary, which— um, they turned that into a whole ice kingdom.
1: Oh, nice!
2: <laughs> so it made me think about all these different things, but really, you know, it was about the snow and the ice and on the east coast. And we called it Ice Kingdom, and we created like a holiday song. And it ended up being perfect because we weren't even thinking, you know, like Coca-Cola, like the polar bear, and and that whole vibe. Oh I, yeah! We even thinking that in the moment, I was I was just literally like, I want to write it about home and snow and ice. Right. <laughs> And skiing and all that kind of stuff. And so um, it turned into this amazing song, holiday song that everyone loves and, you know, brings joy to people, which is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, that's... I really love writing songs that bring joy to people. And um, so Radio Disney, you know, has supported me and they loved the whole, you know, message behind the song and everything. And, you know, and they played it during... um, the holidays you know and i think i think they still you know obviously still play it and it hit the charts on radio disney for the holiday charts um and that was a big you know another big step
4: absolutely in my
2: career and it just kind of yeah it just kind of worked out it was just it there really wasn't any planning with it it just kind of all happened and the fact that you know Coca, i hope to work with them again coca-cola um they're such a great company and Um, yeah, it was just a really exciting moment and really random.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As some of the best things end up being, you know? Yeah. So then you got hooked up with people like Sean Douglas, who I love him as a songwriter. So how did that happen?
2: Yeah, he is so incredible. I actually really want to get back in the studio with him. Um... That just kind of happened through, you know, mutual people that I know in the industry and, um, you know, it's a very small circle. Mm -hmm. And um, we linked up, you know, and he had this record called Red Eye. And I actually did not write on this record, um, but he was like, hey, I think this will fit you, you know, really well. And This is kind of before I even started changing my style even a little bit more. I'm always, you know, um, changing it up and still keeping it me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, red eye. And I was like, wow, this is such a beautiful record. And I wanted to, I told Sean, I was like, I really want to show my voice on a new record. You know, I'm always doing up-tempo, you know, vibes. And, um, he was like, I have this record that I just wrote, you know, would you be interested in cutting it? And that's kind of how it all started. And I worked with him, you know, at his studio and he's such a great guy. Such good vibes, and um, yeah, that's really you know how it came about.
1: Awesome, and And then
2: and then actually it ended up being in a movie that I was in as well, which is kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, that is that is awesome. And and tell us a little bit about the movie.
2: So, yeah, so um, at that time, you know, I had just I had just worked on on Red Eye, and you know, it has more of like it's very it's you know, it's a ballad, you know, emotional ballad. And, um, it was kind of funny, like the director of, it was an independent film that I worked on called The Mint. And, um, I like to call it, you know, it's got music, it's got, you know, uh, you know, the storyline behind it, but it's kind of, it's funny because I feel like it's got hip hop music and then it also has country music. Now, obviously I'm a pop artist, but I feel like in today's, the way the music is today that... Everything kind of is merging together, which I really love. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're a pop artist, you can still work on a country record if, or a hip-hop record or a rock record. You know what I mean? They're all kind of together now. So, um, and I'm, I like to be very versatile the way that I am um, with my music. But, so, Red Eye has a different vibe from what I've been releasing. And this movie that I was in, I played a leading role called... Um, as Samantha, <laughs> and she was um, actually a country artist, and she kind of goes, you know, a little bit pop. But she, you know, she's from Tennessee. She, you know, wants to become, you know, a star. And then they basically, you know, in the movie, discover me. It's kind of got like Empire and National vibes. If that makes sense. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Put together,
2: and Red Eye they had come to me and they're like, Oh, you'd be great for this role. And I read the script and I loved it. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, embark on something more like this is the first movie I had ever done with playing a leading role. Um, and I obviously hope to do more in the future and, um, keep diversifying, you know, everything that I'm doing, for sure. um, but yeah. So it, it just, you know, it kind of came to me and then, you know, I love, I, I talked to the director. He's great. And, um, you know read the script and basically that's how it happened and red eye um they had heard my song red eye and they're like this would fit really well into the script of the movie at the end of the movie and kind of be like the theme of the the soundtrack and the theme of the movie so that just again something else that randomly kind of came together and I had just recorded red eye and um yeah it was really fun working on that film
1: And then you enjoyed your first taste of Billboard chart success with (laughs) Hurt Me So Good. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, that was definitely a huge moment in my career. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say probably, you know, like, it's extremely exciting. And it's funny because it didn't even fully hit me, like, as it was happening. I'm like, and that tends to happen to me because I'm very, like, I'm always, you know, wanting to do more, wanting to work harder and just I'm that type of person. So um, I was excited, but also like, wait, what is happening right now? You know what <laughs> I mean? I didn't even fully, it didn't even fully sit, like set in my mind. Right. Um, because this record really hit hard. This, this record really resonated with people, um, <laughs> which is very, you know, very, I mean, it meant the world to me, like. My fans would be sending me videos of dancing to it and singing to it, and um, and then I would actually I heard my song in the club for literally, I mean this is the first time. Like obviously I had just done some performances in clubs, but just hearing it like I think it was twice maybe randomly in clubs, and That's people would send awesome. me videos of hearing it in clubs. And I literally I had I literally cried a few times because it is the most incredible feeling I've always dreamt of of being able to like have that experience where it's just being played and it's like wait what people actually know my song people are actually sending me you know they know the lyrics they're sending me videos I mean and I really saw the impact when I was performing people would recite the lyrics and um this song is really funny how it came about um I worked with a producer that signed to Timbaland. And it was funny because we were supposed to be working on some other records together. And I had just written this record acapella on my couch. Oh, wow. Uh, without a beat. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I, I was, I had this concept in my head for a minute and I was like, sometimes if I don't have a beat to write to, I'll just write to an acapella. Like, cause I have the melody and lyric in my head and I'm like, I gotta get it out. Right. <laughs> And this is the first real song that I wrote by myself. Just this is really when I started as a songwriter, like, and, and really showing the world who I am as a songwriter. And, um, and I got with my producer dog on the phone and I was like, or, you know, I was like, Hey, I have this, like, do you want me to send it to you? Um, and I was like, this is what I'm thinking for, you know, the, the, the vibe of the beat and, he put a track together, and it just kind of came alive. And I didn't even expect that it was going to be my my single, um, or my main lead single that was going to bring everything to where it is now. And um, it, it ended up being that, and it, the impact has been absolutely crazy. And the Billboard, yeah, this is my first time on Billboard, and it's just I'm just so grateful for everyone that's you know been supporting me. That's the, you know, 418 had released. Um, the remixes and I'm grateful to them as well. And just like everyone that has just been supporting it. It's just, it's, it really has been so exciting and I'm, I'm excited for what's happening now.
1: Absolutely. And so now what's next for you? What, what can we expect next? What are you working on? What can you give us the goods on?
2: So right now I just I just released a new single. It's called bad mistake. Love it. And, um, that has been, that has been doing absolutely incredible as well. I um, just released it on May 17th, which was, like, about two weeks ago. Right. And um, it's already, like, surpassed 70,000 streams on Spotify. Wow. And um, this one's doing even better than "Hurt Me So Good, which is crazy. Right. And it's funny, you know, I, I just want to keep, you know, writing, creating new music. And this is really crazy, too. So another funny story, I... Um, I was actually at home in South Jersey and, um, a producer friend of mine, Mr. Mig, he's also from Jersey. And our vibes are like so crazy together. Cause we're two Jersey people.
4: And, it's so <laughs> funny. and I was
2: like, Hey, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm in Jersey. Like you want to get in the studio? Like, well, we had been talking about getting in the studio and, um, this is around Thanksgiving time. And I was, I had so much I wanted to like write about <laughs> And, you know, we got in, it, it was a great vibe. And I was like, hey, I have this idea for this track. Like, and we kind of worked on, the, we worked, I kind of co-produced it, like worked on the track with him. Um, and, you know, while we were doing it, I was like, I want this sound and this sound. And then he would play something. And then it just came to life, you know, creating the beat. And, um, and then he was like, so I started coming up with some melody. And it was really, it was the chorus melody of Bad Mistake with a little bit of the lyrics. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. And then I I wrote, I actually wrote this whole song in my bedroom where I grew up in South Jersey. Wow. Um, and I came back to the studio the next day. He's like, all right, come back tomorrow, you know, write what you want, whatever. And I wrote the whole song, came back to the studio, cut it, recorded it, and it turned, I mean, again, another song I wasn't even really sure what was going to happen, but it just, ended up being my next single (laughs) and um it's it's super exciting you know i just i wanted to get right I i was inspired and um i'm really excited that people have been loving it and people have been relating to it and so that just came out it's been doing amazing and um you know we're gonna get some remixes for it as well stay tuned for that and um um, hopefully, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, video situations yeah. <laughs> as well for, for the song and, um, just lots of planning and stuff going on right now. And I really, really hope that, um, I'm going to keep performing. I have something I'll be doing this weekend coming up. And then, um, I just performed at the white party
4: awesome. in Palm
2: Springs, which was absolutely incredible.
4: Oh, yeah, my I bet. Gosh.
2: That was probably one of my favorite performances so far. Um, I had so much fun and it was a big deal and um, so yeah, I'm really just excited. I want to get out, you know, touring, performing more, meeting my fans more and just keep releasing more music and um, there's just lots of exciting, you know, exciting things to come and I can't wait.
1: Awesome. Well, Ashley Keating, Bad Mistake is out right now. Where can they yes. follow you?
2: All my socials. <laughs> but um, definitely Definitely, um, my Instagram is the perfect way to, like, literally know everything about my life. I'm just kidding. No. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, pretty much get a taste of Ashley, um, which is at A-S-H-L-E-E-K-E-A-T-I-N-G. So just at Ashley Keating. And, um, you know, my YouTube is where all my videos are, um, youtube.com slash Keating. Um, Facebook, Twitter, just Ashley Keating, um, and Facebook's Ashley Keating Music, and then Twitter's Ashley Keating, and AshleyKeating.com, Awesome. And Spotify, of course. <laughs> and uh, of course, Apple, and all that good stuff.
1: Yes, and iHeartRadio app. Yeah. Yes,
2: yes, <laughs> I love iHeartRadio. I literally listen to it every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have all those links up there so everybody can uh, can follow you wherever, you know, they they choose on their favorite platform, or hopefully all of them, and please come back and talk to us again.
2: Yeah, I would love that. I would love that.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. That's Ashley Keating. She is a joy, isn't she? She's just like a fun ball of energy. She's a songwriter, singer, actress, And we'll have all of her links in the show notes and on the accompanying blog post page. Did I do it right? Accompanying, yes. So, uh, and we'll have everybody's uh, links on the accompanying, I'm so proud of myself for being able to say that now. Accompanying blog post page and show notes. So, you know where to get that. Thank you for listening to episode 23 of Pop Culture Weekly. I cannot believe it. You guys are amazing. You make this show grow every single week. Seriously, you make it grow every week. And you're sharing it, and you're commenting, and you're reviewing it, and you're rating it, and you're giving it stars, and you're tweeting, and you guys are awesome. I want to hear more from you. Please continue to tweet me, at KMacMusic, or Instagram, at KMacMusic, or Facebook, at Real Kyle McMahon pop culture weekly is on twitter and facebook on twitter pop culture pod ca and on facebook pop culture weekly (laughs) so love you guys see you next week you're listening to pop culture weekly with kyle mcmahon presented by 92.9 tom fm an iheart radio station It feels weird to do it by myself. I'm always as you said, doing it with somebody else.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky?